For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by Badger Legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? We are good. Every day is a holiday on the podcast. And now we have one of my favorite characters, no matter what he says. He is he is a very special individual. I met him when I moved back as an adult. And I don't think any second we spend together, um, I'm an adult, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Chikwe Obasi, one of one of probably one of the best dudes to ever play, but also just one of the best dudes in general. So thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, every time with you is special as well, and you make me feel more younger. So. I don't know how I can make you feel younger. You're a young man running half marathons, just looking amazing. I think when I Chikwe just recently took me around Atlanta when I was there for work and knows everybody. I think everyone is that's how Chikwe, you you live my life the way I live it. I think I'm friends with every person that I ever say hi to or come in contact that's with. That's because you are. Well, I try to be. Yeah. My wife thinks I'm a lunatic, but I love it. And that's you in Atlanta, dude. You're the mayor of that, of the entire, uh, of, of Atlanta. It was awesome to be around. Thank you for showing me a good time. Although the, the headache the next day was, was severe. It was worth it. Uh, PBR is always worth it, man. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad you got to come down. I got to come down up to New York when you're there and, and check you out. And, and you and Allie, the pre-baby, right? And now post-baby. And it's still as fun. And, and that's, biggest goofball you know i know so i appreciate you having me on here thank you awesome awesome well before we get into it with chiquay want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag they remain your number one sports for all of your sports wagering uh nfl nba most importantly college football esports golf like i don't know if you're into it they've got it over there at betonline.ag so head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. That's right, Chiqui. Use that Selly. Use that mobile. Get on there. Use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Chiqui, you're in Atlanta now. You're from Milwaukee. But uh, as it was it always Milwaukee? Were you born... Did you move to Milwaukee? Were you born there? What's your, where it's like Littlest Chikwe from? Littlest Chikwe is, you know, a cheesehead, you know, raised up. But I was actually born in Florence, South Carolina. My dad is an immigrant from Nigeria. Both my parents are from Nigeria, but uh, he used to work for GE. And, you know, anyone that knows anyone from GE knows that they love to move you around. And so after we plopped down in, I think, West Allis, after I was about, you know, two months old, He's like, we're, we're done moving. You know, my little sister was born probably a year after that. Um, so I've been in Wisconsin ever since, basically for 22 of my life, 22 years of my life. And so, you know, I grew up in Brookfield um, for the majority of it. You know, Joe Thomas's mom was my nurse in elementary school. Uh, That's pretty cool. Brad Norman used to reach out to me when I was getting recruited. And, you know, Ben Strickland would always come back. His high school coach is my high school coach. So I had a lot of influence to follow the Wisconsin pipeline, even though my dad was a hot guy. So, are you? Are you? Are you dad? You know what? No, he. 
He went yeah. to Iowa. Yeah, he he did his uh, you know his grad school in Iowa. He's in Iowa for about I think eight years. Whoa, he loved it. You know, now he hates visiting Atlanta because it's too hot, regardless of if he grew up on the equator. Makes yeah. no sense to me, but there's something about the Midwest that just really stuck to him. You know, where he enjoys waking up at five to shovel the snow. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, like, it, it's like he was you know it, it's like he was born in west dallas not at all i mean it's one of those you know parents that just loves to rag on you regardless of how much it doesn't make sense so yeah uh that is fascinating nonetheless my dad's the same way no matter i'm like dad it's gonna keep snowing he's like i'll be outside shoveling all right, hey, you know, go. You I'll, wait? I'll yeah, do it the second time. Okay, you do it the first time. You're right. <laughs> no matter what, you're right. Sure. So wait. So we'll talk about it. But like, did that was that an influence on on was like Iowa part of the college discussion? Was your dad like, dude, I really had a good time there. Would you go there? Yeah. No. I mean, we had Hawkeye stuff around my house growing up, so you know. One reason I, you know, started watching about it is one. That's what all the kids at school are talking about, right? You're, you're playing fifth grade, fifth grade football, and you know you're hearing about that Hawkeyes game. That you, I think, you, were you in that game, the 08 game, where they had Adrian Claiborne and all those cats. That was right after your time, right? Yeah, I graduated in 05. Yeah, yeah, I, remember I was in the stands for that one. Guys. I was in the stands. Were for that you one. really? Yeah. That was a good one. That was that one went down to the wire, and yeah. I remember you know all of us trying to hear the updates during practice. We were doing log rolls, I think, at the time. Someone didn't touch the line or something, something dumb. Where you know, like the middle school coaches are just trying to see how much they can pay the kids, really. and we're just trying to hear the updates of the Iowa Badgers game. And, and so, yeah, um, you know, growing up in Brookfield had a huge influence in terms of me eventually going to Wisconsin. You know. I was kind of on the Hawkeyes to start. Wow, that's so interesting. But okay, so let's go back to like little, maybe not little teeny Cheekway, but little, little Cheekway. When did football come into your life? I mean, obviously you're living in Wisconsin, so it's pretty much everywhere. Um, but but when does like, you? when do you start playing? And what's it like for you to, like, were you a big kid? Were you little? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, voted most likely to give you the best hug. I was a very plump kid. Growing up. Um, and so, you know, um, my dad wasn't big into football. You know, he came from Nigeria. And so one of my favorite teams growing up was the Eagles, right? It's a chance for me and him to bond, you know, as a black quarterback in the league that was doing well. Um, so I was an Eagles fan for the longest time. Obviously the Packers came after that. And then, you know, I'm looking to start, you know, playing some sports, uh, start with soccer. My dad was familiar with that. Obviously, you know, it's an international sport. And I started playing onward best basketball but I'm, I'm playing with that and realized, you know, girls can see your face in basketball, but I'm probably a little bit better at football. So signed up for tackle football in fifth grade. Um, haven't looked back since. I, I remember I got put on the line because I was too big for any other skill position. I really wanted to be a wide receiver. I remember I came home crying telling my dad, um, they made me offensive lineman and with some chance to play on defense. And I really wanted to be a receiver. And he's like, what's that? <laughs> I mean, so it's just, I remember the first game, you know, I thought I wouldn't listen to the coaches. And after that, I got good at taking coaching, but I thought the tight end pot pass was for me, you know, the left tackle. So I got called for, you know, an eligible receiver downfield. And after that, I just started taking pride in my craft and learning about Joe Thomas and how, you know, it's still cool to be a lineman. It's funny that you mentioned uh, basketball. You could, you the girls could see your face because they they should be seeing mm. your face. I used to put the helmet on. I'm like, man, this is perfect. No one can see my face, so they only know <laughs> that I'm good at football. And then when they see it, they're like, well, I still he's a oh, stud God, on the field. It's, it's, it's the cherry on top and take off your helmet. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a, see, you spin it. You're like such a, a nice guy. You spin it the proper way. I love it. No man, <laughs> when you walk down the aisle at Home Depot and you know you. You're looking at all the advertisements for the perfect hammer, and then all of a sudden you you take it off the sheath, and it's nice and glossed up. You're like, oh, that's the one. 
Yeah. Number 45. That's the one. <laughs> Did you, you, you warm me up. You warm my heart, man. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> go at Home Depot. You're looking for the right hammer. I love that. I'm going to start doing that now. Like get my shiny hammer. Um, Oh man, I don't oh, my, need to... my lines are free. I'm flustered right now. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I'm, really I'm not flustered. Okay. Flu- All right, so, so, okay, so hold on then. Hold on. So <laughs> you, you're lucky then you live in the state, the area of the state in Brookfield, where it is sexy to be a lineman, right? So I mean, it is where it is where it is cool to be a lineman, to be the stud on the line. So are you playing defensive end now? Like once you're in the high school level as well, or where do they have you moving around? Once you're up at, you know, you've moved on through middle school. Once you're into high school, I mean, I was, I was just. There's a point where I, my weight started staying the same, and I was, I was just like, come in through it, I'm be catching all these passes. Just never got there. So, I was, I was growing taller. I wasn't gaining as much weight, but you know, I started taking pride in what we were doing. My friends have a weird picture of me. I used to wear a beanie, you know, listening to Headstrong by Trap, and just trying to be, you know, an asshole out there and just. Started realizing my seventh and eighth year, I started catching my stride and and playing defensive line um, and offensive line was just like a chance to you know fold guys, right? But I, I really started loving the D line. I played my freshman year. You know, I'm out there. And at that point, I didn't know it was you know bad to be cocky. <laughs> you know, you have all the seniors like, oh, you think you're gonna play on varsity? I'm like, I might. <laughs> but I'm looking at these dudes and not realizing. You know, they're all talking behind my back. All this kid thinks he's like sweet. Like, let's make sure, you know, sort of humbling moment, right? And you start earning it, you know, and getting the respect of your, your your teammates first before, you know, trying to think that you're owed something, right? Just because you did something the year before or whatnot. And every year you're coming out and everybody's getting better. And that's the point, you know, iron sharpens iron. And the coaches I had really, you know, drilled it in my head. If, if you want to be out there, you know, you're doing it for the guy next to you versus for yourself. Okay, so when in your, in your like, when does it come to you, you're like, wow, I might be able to hit the next level. Were there, like, teams writing you in? Were there some smaller schools? Like, were people trying to get in touch with you to play college football? I mean, um, it was always the goal, to be honest. I mean, I think you know this. Like, my dad's a single parent, you know, single parent of four and the goal is for all of us to try and find a way to pay for college. You know, we're, you know, not the most affluent family by far. And, you know, we're just trying to find ways to take the load off our dad. So my sister ended up winning state and track, you know, she had a full ride for college on that. My older brother got a partial for academics. My younger sister, you know, is a walking encyclopedia. So she was going to go to school for free somehow. Um, so it was always the goal, you know, you're choosing a sport or, or whatever, but you're, you're trying to be the best at something and not just complacent. So I think I started doing national underclassmen combines either before freshman year or at right after that. And then I started realizing I can't measure myself just to the people in the greater Metro conference in Wisconsin. I had to, you know, see what other kids are doing out there, hold myself accountable, working in the off season, putting on weight, you know, viable weight, you know, looking at technique, watching, you know, highlights of some of the best pass rushers out there and trying to figure out a way to get on the field and start as a sophomore and making those lists of accolades. I want to at least be, you know, second or third team, you know, all greater Metro sophomore year, the first team in some type of all state junior year. That way I am getting recognized and an offer is going to come my way and then moving up the ring and, and such like that. You know, it was, it was great that I had one of my friends, Alex James over at East, right? Me and him were constantly compared to fifth, sixth grade. I think he always played a year up. And so I, I was always, you know, striving after him, really. And he's a good dude. So uh, yeah. he's a great dude. Yeah. Okay. Wait. And so it, that's so interesting that, I mean, I love your mentality. I don't think a lot of kids have it. The, you know, I mean, now you're an adult, but ten years ago you weren't. You were a little kid. Um, you know, what's that like though to just be like, I I need to like, is did you feel? Did you put pressure on yourself? Like I have to go to college for free or for partial, like, was that, was it stressful for you? Like in your brain, you're like, it's what I have to do. It's not stressful as much when you have perspective, you know, you know, my dad came from nothing. He came over here and he brought 
five, six, seven of his siblings over here to have the American dream. He got over here on an academic scholarship, right? So the pressure really started with him. You know, what I was doing was child's play, really. And you just, you know, you see him coming home at 8 o'clock, 8.30 every single night. And some of our other teammates obviously have the same backgrounds. And you know plenty of people who have the same ones where yeah. it's not really a burden. You know, it's an opportunity. And your parents did the most they could for you, for you to do it better for your possible kids. And, you know, it's it wasn't a burden more than, you know, I don't even say an obligation. It was a blessing or you, you had that direction at an earlier age. And most people don't find that stride until they're in college or after college or, or whatever. So I was, I was thrilled. Do you, uh, do you and your, your siblings talk a lot of smack about who's the smartest or the best or, or all around? We know our sisters, our, our little sister, the smartest, you know, it's not even a question at that point. <laughs> she used to watch and read Harry Potter books for fun. I think she's read each of the Harry Potter books at least seven times. I, there's a part of me that hated Harry Potter growing up because anytime it was on, you know, ABC family, yeah. we have to turn on He's the youngest one. We're watching it. You know, it, it started with our dad. I mean, I had to do my sister's math homework for her with her in kindergarten when I was four, you know, like the youngest one got benefits from everybody else growing up. Yeah. If that makes sense. So That's it, really it, cool. It, and then I had to deal with everybody asking me, are you faster than your sister? Cause me and her were in high school and grade school at the same time. I'd be like, she just won number one in nationals at the junior Olympics. Yeah. She's faster than you. She's faster than you too. I'm trying to make people faster. Now that's yeah. the retort. She's faster than you. <laughs> like, what are you like? I'm not dumb. Like rationality. You are slower than her too. I'm not going to argue. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so what year for you in high school, you're like, man, I'm getting some big recognition here. And I mean, big recognition, dude, you were number one. And I love reading this. It, it reads like a dream. You were what the, what the top 45 defensive end. You were rated number one recruit in Wisconsin. Number two by ESPN, which I think ESPN always gets it wrong by one. Um, I'm going to hold them both true because the number one on ESPN was Alex. And oh, was he it? With him. He, was my, uh, he was my roommate. Yeah. Was he number two um, uh, in New York State by rivals? Uh, in rivals, he was number two in the state. Yeah. That's wild. So you and guys then, are just uh, alternating. That's TJ, crazy. And TJ Watt was number three. Wow. Back and forth. So, and it was always I remember our sophomore year is the worst. The Brookfield East, as you know, or you may not know, is has had been trash at that point. They hadn't had a good year in like since early two thousands, you know, and maybe when Joe Thomas and them were there. And then by, you know, the time when me and Alec were in high school, his sophomore year, they started off four and oh and we started off four and oh and it's like the best game and you know, battle of the Brookfields and forever and people just talking trash, you know, fake phone calls and all this other stuff. And you know, just it just really brought up the hype between the two of us. But we never had ill will, right? As soon as he committed, I called him, we went to the mall, we got hats together. You know what I mean? Like our our schools are pretty close to each other growing up and there's never ill will. It's more like the parents and everybody else in the community hyping enough. But um, having someone like that, you know, playing running back, probably the last you know, forced me to be better at, at as good as I could in my craft. Right. And we pushed each other throughout college as well. And so were there anyone else on, on that list of like top, you know, Wisconsin's obviously up there. I was up there. Were there any other contenders? Purdue was my first offer. Um, I actually shut down here. I think I might have been the number two recruiter in our class. Or, or you know, once I realized you know, I did what I wanted to do, then it was just think better. I think Rob Wheels maybe first. And maybe she got me out of the class because my class is the year that people on the left. This turmoil, this year. Um, but you know, I think I had. I don't know. There's Old Miss, but I, I don't really want to go down south. Um, Stanford came in late. Michigan State came in late after I committed. But at that point, I was more focused on competing with other recruits across the country. I uh, got the invite to the opening and got to go there. Um, I got to the, the nationals for the national underclassmen. 
um, I think summer of my, after my freshman year, um, and then going to camps, right? Going to rivals camps. And mm-hmm. okay, I went to one in Indianapolis, got to become friends with Malik Zaire, that quarterback who's for the Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey, I hang out with him when me and Al got invited to the Semper Fi All-American Bowl. Just saw him two weeks ago when he was down in Atlanta with the 49ers. And, uh, so, I mean, it, it was good to get it done early. You know, now it's, I mean, I'd say it's a little convoluted and, you know, stuff like you guys would say about us, right? It's the Me, Me, Me show. I got put on the hat and this and that. But um, I was just focused on getting better versus, you know, racking in the offers and whatnot, you know being ranked because of your offers isn't the same as actually going out there you know, when we get to that level and actually playing and watching the guys like, you know, like, yeah. I, I'm not sure how I, I, I do my research on you, man. I'm, I'm very sorry, but you would fold dudes who you knew were four or five star level recruits and that made you feel good. So it was less about that than, than getting to the next level and, and doing well. Well, I don't even know how many stars I was. Was that good? Matt Perkins, what was I mean, it? I, I would say you were, uh, you were pre-Rivals.com era, sir. So uh, you, you, you uh, <laughs> yeah. The, I give myself my, my own stars now. No one will uh, know. Where, 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 I mean, you were probably the top player in the state of New York. So you are, you know, you Same are at least a little. Mid, you are at least a mid four-star player. So, um, but you have posi- well, uh, well, but positional David. value of fullbacks goes down. It's a whole thing. Chigwe, do it. The star David gets me to five stars, baby. <laughs> That's six, bro. That gets you to six. That six points, six, six there stars. You there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Okay, we'll go back, dude. I, everything that it's saying here in your high school is way different than what it said on my high school. Just saying. But I think it's cool that you got rivals, you got ESPN, like they take a look at high school kids. Exactly. We had, we had, you know, rankings and attributes from ESPN, all this stuff on the internet. You had, you know, characteristics um, sketched on stone. So it's, it's just a different era. It's a different era. But you also get your, your, I don't want to say weaknesses, but what you need to improve on is highlighted everywhere too, which I is probably hard on, you know, younger people today. Not really. I mean, I'm not fast. I'm not fast. <laughs> no, I, I mean, not you. I, I think there are people who take those oh. things on and are like, ah, that's such a, for me, I, I wasn't that fast either. I was like, but I'm, oh, I, I know what my skills are. I'm going to hit you as hard as possible. And I'm going to try to do that for at least the whole game. And that was basically yeah, it. You- footwork your hand position like you could still fold dudes who were stronger than you or faster than you if they weren't you know technically sound like that's the whole wisconsin way right so yeah it, it, that's what it is all right so 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 you verbally committed you're going to wisconsin do you take do you take more than one official, official visit, visit or you just hit wisconsin i really wanted to i saw he got game <laughs> dude i saw that too that did not happen to me. Let me tell you. It did. Well, I well, I don't know if I can say it, but I, the the recruits all had the same exact. The commits all had the same exact official visit. So I only actually only took one. I remember I was I was texting Alex and came about his official visit before he in Michigan State. It's pretty dope, apparently. But we had a perfect report fest. there. Wait, you're you're breaking up a little bit. <laughs> I said we had Twerk Fest the weekend of uh, the Pitt's official visit. Well, I don't I have no idea. What uh, is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. Yeah. It, was, it was a good time. And so that was when most of the, the commits came. And um, that's when I found out that, you know, Joe Ferg was Bear Alvarez's grandson. Um, that was when most of us commits uh, came down. And it was the week, weekend that it, week and a half after Bielma had left. Right. So we all came together. You know, Matt Hubble was there. That's when I met Matt. I had met Matt Miller a couple of camps before. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember I lent him. He didn't pack enough clothes. I lent him like this pair of cargos and, and a t shirt I never saw for until junior year of college. But you know, a lot of us got pretty close to that trip. Um with some great stories and and really rallied that we're all staying there. Who was your host? It was, I think, it's either Mike. It wasn't Mike Caputo. I think it was Jesse. 
think it was Jesse. Or was it? Or, no, I don't think it was Arthur Gold. It might have been Goldberg too. Oh, I like that guy. <laughs> you're talking about someone slimming down. That guy's running marathons and whatnot. Oh, he's very. I don't even recognize him. And he just got engaged. I I saw that too. I still didn't recognize him, but I'm happy he's for him. Coconut. Yeah. Dude, he, he it's another good dude. Um, I lived in Madison at the right years. So I get the I get the I got to hung out with you and a bunch of other good dudes. Um okay, so you so you take your trip, you love it. What's it like when you show up on campus day one? Uh horrible. I didn't have a moped yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do you stay? At the region? At the, yeah, the region and you know, I actually see. I actually had one of the solos, so I felt kind of left out. Um, I had left the studios, but you know, like how the region was, is a four to an apartment. They all split up, and that's when I, you know, got to meet Leon. Right, and I got to hang out with TJ a little bit more. I remember me, TJ, and Alex took an unofficial at the same time as Corey Clement. Um, I think May, and that's when I committed right after that. So May, my junior was unofficial, and academics was a huge part of where I was committing. So four of us got close there and, and at the region we're all hanging out and I just bought my moped from the Watt family and we finally got on campus. And so it was interesting, man. You know, you know how it is when you finally get away from your parents and there's fast food open until whatever time at night. So it was easy to put on the weight that they need us to. <laughs> but just just when you start opening your eyes and time management becomes a necessity versus hey you know, I'll stay up till midnight in high school and I have ungodly amounts of energy and then still wake up for practice and do it all over again. So um, it was interesting. And then getting ready for Friday punishment workouts. Oh, that was the worst. I remember I used to, we had off on Wednesdays and I remember I used to just come into the stadium at two o'clock after classes on Wednesdays and just sit in the bathroom contemplating what Friday's workout would be. <laughs> Do you think I'm kidding? What was the I'm worst not, one? I, okay, I, I, I know what you're talking so about. So in all of the Friday work, what's the, wor- what's the one that still gives you nightmares? There's 30 quarter gassers and eight prowler pushes, and they're like 25 yards for the prowler pushes. And I have sickle cell trait. So like each time I would, you know, I would lock up, need an IV afterwards, and then you're trying to earn your stripes and impress you know, the upperclassmen. And then when you have to medically get walked off, and get stretched with the sickle cell trait. And it's not like you're going to go and tell everybody, Hey guys, and medically I can't, you can't do that in football. <laughs> so I'm just starting to get anxiety and like running extra sprints on Wednesday afternoon. So I just don't physically die on Fridays and just, it's, that's the whole mind of it all. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It, for us, it so. was Tuesdays and Fridays were the worst workouts and all the rest of the time you just think about them. Even on even on like Saturday night, you're like, man, I should drink three more beers and really get to that level, or I got to run on Tuesday. Like literally, it was always in your brain. Don't tell me that you chose the later. No, you always. No, I was like, I'm gonna drink three beers and suffer on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, three beers, four beers. You know, just because you're aware of it doesn't mean that you actually like listen to it. No, but also, I was like 19. First off, when I showed up, it was on a it was on a upper deck you know, running the upper deck day on a Tuesday, I came in, I was, I was in shape to like, basically not really not in football shape, not in running the stadium stairs, got up there and I was dying after like three of them. And like, you know, and all, you know, the older guys were cool and I'm sure it's still the same way. They were like, you put your hands on your knees and they're like, dude, don't do that. Just, just stand up. Like it sucks, but just stand up. Don't show people like you're struggling. And I was like, all right. So I'm, you know, I'm standing up, I'm like taking pride in at least that little bit. Um, but yeah, but the 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 Fridays and the Tuesdays were just the worst. People don't get it. Like it's there's really nothing to compare it to. Maybe the military, but I don't know because I wasn't in it. But like it is punishment. We didn't call it that, but it was we call it stations. It's a, it's a weed out the weaklings and who like, by the time it's like week 10, week nine. And for some reason, you're on the schedule, you just didn't, don't get a buy until late, late then. And everybody's hurt, but nobody understands really the difference between playing hurt and playing injured, right? It's which guys can get through that mental block. Just like when you hear about marathon runners getting to 19 or 20 miles, like, can you get over the hump of I'm mentally 
beaten down. Can I go on, not even autopilot, but can I go into overdrive and just keep like fighting through the pain and the punishment, you know? Well, that's what it's built for. Yes. But when you're doing it on a Friday afternoon or whatever, Friday morning, you're, <laughs> you're like, man, I'm not thinking about the game coming up in a month or to whatever it is, six months. Oh, you're yeah. like, man, I got to get out of it. I got to live through this. Yeah. Or like when you're walking out to practice on a Wednesday and you're friends with some of the people outside of the program and you're like, I could be taking a nap right now. Like, Dude. We, we used to be like, man, Monday night was this bar. Tuesday's this bar. Yeah, we didn't do that. <laughs> we got, no, we didn't, no, we didn't physically go, but we're like, if I was a student, I'd be here right now. If I was a student, I'd be here. And you're, you know where you are? Camp Randall. You're always there. I felt like I never left that. I played the, I like literally felt like they could send me mail there and it would get to me. Like yeah. that was my address. I would actually change my address to Camp Randall sometimes in between the moves. And mail would yeah, literally come to me. Yeah, the equipment guys would put it in your locker. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, why should I have never, I should have never not had it there. Everything should have been there. <laughs> the worst was camp. You're just bringing sleeping bags. Oh, you guys had camp at the Abbey, right? Well, we did. We had one year. So that when it changed, that was the year. We, my my senior year was the year you we had it at the stadium. You were talking about dudes bringing blow-up mattresses, blankets, we basically moved in to the locker room. I didn't like that any better than, you know, the only thing good about it was you could scoot home, but the only bad thing is you got home at 10 o'clock. There's could do anything. You know, I was trying to talk to Fitchy during camp. I completely forgot what it's like, you know, where your head's just on mush and you're an auto player and God bless any guys who are in relationships during that or whatever and get through it. And he was like, you need someone that understands you might have problems going on outside of camp. God bless you. I love you. <laughs> I'm not thinking about that. <laughs> no, it, like, I, it was 18 days at the seminary. You literally disappeared. And a lot of, dude, my cell phone didn't really work out there. I mean, it's, it, this is in 2001. It was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Rock so phone. you're you're literally on an island because I didn't know Madison at all. It's really not that far away. And uh, it's just terrible. I mean, the only the only females you see are the trainers and... Man, they're camp, all camp eyes, camp eyes, camp eyes. They're they're all tens every day of the week. Uh, Mike Mole at, was smoking by the end of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mike Mole. He was a good looking. He was a not a female. He was a, at the end of it. You're like, man. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> the joke went over a couple people. <laughs> I like that Mike Mole's still there. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, all right. So so you so you came. So like this time's over. You your camp's terrible. Obviously, it sucks for everyone, no matter if you're a freshman or a senior. You go into your first year. Do you do you know you're gonna redshirt? Like, is that do you care? Like, are you oh, happy? I, said? I, I wanted to redshirt. Um, I mean, you know how it is. Like, if you're playing like a more physical position, it's not like and it, it's something that it takes a lot of people time to understand. Like, there's a reason why you know you see all this stuff about Jackson State University and yeah, they're flashing. They look good. And they got Travis Hunter, the number one recruit in the country. But like Dion knows, like he can't play in Alabama or some big time thing. They got to get their linemen up to speed. And so that whole year of redshirt year was, was trying to build weight, trying to build strength, you know, technique sound. I could survive in my redshirt freshman year. I survived, you know, but my redshirt sophomore year is when I really got going. Like it takes time. And we had guys like Tyler Dipple, you know, Brendan Kelly was like 35 years old, his senior year. And you got Pat Muldoon, Bo Allen, um, and all those guys, and Warren Herring, and Zags, and Jake Kiefer. There's, there's a whole bunch of guys before, and I was, I was looking forward to that. You know, mm-hmm. learning from all those guys and, like, not playing my, my redshirt freshman year. You know, after, it was very apparent. You know, my goal was to become Scout Team Player of the Year. I was able to get that. You know, but me, Alex, Troy, and TJ had the, all the same mentality. Um of showing out there at practice, right? And being a contributor to possibly a great season and, and giving our all and sharpening the tools. I just remember, if you remember Panther drill, when you come in for that and you just see Costigan or, or Rob Havenstein and all these big ass dudes, Ryan, um, Groy, they're just, you're just standing there with a the bag to get killed. You know, they're yeah. coming out from the shoot and rolling around full speed. 
I'm pretty sure, you know, I had three unofficial concussions, you know, just from practice <laughs> during that season. Because you, you, you're just there, and but you learn, and you understand, and the game gets slower, and you start to see what it takes to play at a high level and what it takes to sacrifice your body throughout the season. Now, I didn't drink alcohol freshman year until I realized I needed to get through the season, you know, and it's like – you know, high school ball, like, you know, you don't drink or I was one of those kids who just didn't drink during the season. I was trying to get, you know, get to college. And then you realize, like, you take care of your bother in other ways. Like, you can do it. You know, some people don't. Freshman year, I'm redshirting. I wandered over to what, Woody and Celery. You know, you got to do what you have to do. <laughs> Listen, don't look. I'm a poster child for not doing what I was supposed to do. I know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, listen, I I say that I played, I worked hard and I played hard. And, yeah. and that's what I did. And it literally, if I could give myself some better advice, I'd be like, dude, you can go as hard as you want, but just don't do it as many days in a row. Yeah. Like do it less time. Exactly. But like, you know, you get there and you realize, forgot who said it, but I mean, it was the most true thing ever. There's six facets of your life once you get there for college football. You're probably only going to have enough time for four of them, right? Football is one of them. Academics is another. Sleep is another. Um, staying in touch with family. Your faith. Social life. Forget, and social life. Correct. Like friendships, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, it's one of those things where you have to pick and, and play your four. I mean, and you look back and you realize, where could I put my time better? Um, so if I could go back and give myself advice, I would give myself better advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. But as a knucklehead, um, sleep 20-year-old. Sleep and social life were, you know, an inverse relationship. They were like at the way top. I was living the best. Yeah. I was like, yeah, hey, this is great. And, and, and you know what? Yeah. And you know what? As you know, when you are like a lovable human being, Madison is the best place to be. I mean, exactly. it, especially if you make the friends outside of the, the team and whatnot, and you make right. connections and just brighten other people's days, you get the most out of the city. And, and you get the most out of the city. And and for yeah. coming out of state, you know, I felt like I got the most out of Wisconsin. That's what I yeah. loved. It's mm-hmm. like I got from all over the state. Some of them are wackaloons. Some of them are normal. Um, but I loved it. Like you, you're doing things that were way out of my bubble coming from you. Yeah. I never, I went hunting once. I didn't shoot anything. It just went, um, sure. but Peter like, would be very happy to hear that. I really, I didn't even hold the gun. Cause you get, get uh, I don't, I don't have money. Like, what are you getting? I, if I got a ticket or got arrested also, I've never shot anything in my life. Except for I, think past, pigeons. I think you're past the statue of repose. I think you can admit it if you want to now. No, I bet. I, I really didn't. I just sat there with this guy, Ryan Simmons, literally freezing and bored and you can't, we didn't bring any beers. I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna get beers. He's like, "No, you can't. You don't sit out there and drink." And then you also have to like walk two miles to take a piss. And I'm like, "What the hell am I?" And it's cold. Why am I out here? I'm like, "This is not for you." Trying to me, me, and me and Matt are cool. Like, we're not gonna tell anybody. I swear. No <laughs> listen, I'm a I'm There's a big no buck hunter here. video game player. Ooh, yeah, yeah. But big that's time. about like. Don't get me. I don't need to be in the woods. I like camping because you can bring a cooler with a hundred beers and just sit there and cook burgers and drink. Okay, enough about. Nothing, enough about my Coors Light habit. We're talking <laughs> about you, Chiquay. Stop getting me off, off, off target. Follow you, man. Dude, so, okay. So, you mentioned your red shirt. Do you have any good stories about the, the scout, scout team? team? Scout team stories are like my favorite stories of this entire thing we do. Are, like, what's your favorite moment or like something that happened during scout team that still sticks with you? Mine. <laughs> Was uh, I used to get in fights with T- Tyler Merritt all the time because um, there'd always be those agreements, like you know how it is the unspoken lineman agreements. Hey, hey, sixty percent. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, we're trying to get better. We're trying to give you a good best look, and you know, I think that's what set our class apart. Um, and there's great classes, but I think our class just really cared about just leaving it out there in practice and like if you're not giving a good look if you're not doing that you're just you're just making it worse you know what i mean like if i'm not on my today and you're the scout team guy like we loved it there's guys like mark sorry some unspoken guys that we fucking loved as a unit on that defense for those four years who just gave it their all every single practice and they knew they're never going to see the field but like that's the stuff that made us like 
incredibly better that nobody would know, you know? Um, like some of the guys, I think, I'm not sure. Jake Furry, he, he, he had a great first year when he was there and giving us looks. Um, and all the other linemen, you know, it, it, it comes with time. Ryan Ramchick was a scouting guy for a year when he transferred. Insane. But, you know, <laughs> you can, like if you care and everybody cares from the top bottom, like it, it trickles down into how it is. And I just remember just watching our guys and the D line in there. But I think the coolest experience I had on the red shirt was just listening to these guys prepare for Saturdays. And I remember. I remember uh, Chris Borland gave this insane speech. I think it was before the Northwestern game or I think it was before the Penn State game where I'm not sure if we won or not, but I got chills. I think I I got chills. And he's like, <laughs> we're wearing like white face masks, I think at the point. His coach Anderson. And he's like, we need to do better. Like we haven't shown it out there. Like I need you. I need you, Chico. I need you, you know, so-and-so. I need all of you guys. If it's f***ing third down, you better get on the f***ing, like, you know, bench and start getting the crowd into it. Because we're going to be swarming around that ball like a f***ing blizzard. Like, who the f*** is stuff like that? Like, I was like, I'm a badass. No, like, like, no, like it, was, it was wild. And, like, you just heard the intensity these guys would bring or understanding what it meant to hate Minnesota. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you don't get it. Like, rivalries, you know, you're growing up, like, oh, man, like, Duke versus UNC, but like, I still hate the entire state of Minnesota. Like, I mean, people down here in Atlanta just they're like, you're from Minnesota? I instantly yeah. cut off the conversation. I walk yeah. away. Yeah. Like, and like, you realize how important it was to keep the ax. And so uh, it's just watching the other guys and the older guys prepare. And that was some of the best parts about, you know, scout team and, and the lifts that we would have, you know, and, and just going out there and, you know, some upperclassmen get pissed off at you and you know, like you're not trying to show better or make them look bad. You're just trying to give a look and get better with the techniques that you're taught. So. Well, so I also found that um, they would, you know, eventually they, they respect that. You know, yeah. upperclassmen like, yeah, it's annoying. You're hitting them as hard as you can. You're not playing on Saturdays. Like they're beat up from playing. I get it. There's, but, a, time, there's a time and place. If there's a, there's lot a time there, and place. I totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but I think eventually they respect you for your, the value of one, your values of going hard and like not really just get it, letting them off the hook, but also like they see how hard you're working and you're not even playing in a game. Like, yeah. the, like your goal is just to get through practice. It's yeah. not even like to, I mean, yes, it's to get better, but a lot of times on special, like on scouting for me, it was, you just got to run the play that they're doing. We'll never do this again in life. But you exactly. have to just go block that guy. And, and there's carrying, no skill in that. And you're watching the film. You're looking for the tendencies. Of somebody else. Of somebody else. Right. And if you can give them the best look possible, where like they're noticing, I see that you have your opposite hand down like this weirdo does, you know, for Iowa. Like, I appreciate you taking that false step there that they do as a tell, this and that, and all these other things where, you know, the, even the scout team coordinators, they don't want to be fucking, you know, running opposite place because they're getting yelled at by the guy. That's not how they do it and this and that. You're trying to make sure that they're not getting yelled at as much and you're giving the best look possible. Yeah. The- yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I just don't think people like get it when you're on the, no. like when I was on the scout team, literally I spent 20 minutes with my head coach or half an hour yeah. we were in the team. We were in the team meeting and then you went to individual, but a lot of times you left individual. I don't know if you did, but we did to go with the scout team to watch Michigan state play a different team. Cause you're going to be Michigan state. Mm-hmm. And literally for an hour, we'd watch them. I have never been more bored in my entire life oh, watching wow. two teams that I don't care about play against each other. Yeah. And then every so often they'd rifle up the film from last year. And you're like, oh, thank God. At least we could watch our guys. You know, like you're watching the fullback, but how many different things can this dude do? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it it is okay. So we talked enough besides, about scouting. Besides, but- besides going hard. I mean, the thing is like, like you said, like they, they come to respect it at the end of the time. And, you know, you find out the nicknames they have for you years afterwards. Where <laughs> I had no idea for <laughs> until it was like my senior year, or maybe two years after I graduated, that they were calling me Littlefoot behind my back. <laughs> it was Why Littlefoot? Land before time, and I have a pretty short forehead. 
<laughs> so it's like, that's I, incredible. It's I incredible know. that somebody thinks that. I know. I think it was Dipple. <laughs> God, that's ridiculous. I remember. I remember Alex kept it for me for like a little bit too, but it was like, damn. You know, at the time you spend with you guys, you know, getting food and and the hotel trips and stuff, you know, afterwards. So. So, so, so after that season, oh, sorry, Matt, go for no, it. I was going to say, so coming through this whole process, I know you and Garrett Dooley, who we just had on, you guys were tight. Who were some of the guys that you like really bonded with, like as you guys were all going through that? Was it I think, like, everyone I think, that came in together or was it like there like a core group of you guys? I mean, I think we had a really tight team. I mean, there's a reason, you know, like that's not saying the other guys, I mean, we, and, you know, it, it spans from the class before you and the classes after you, but like, you know, I think our 13 class, I mean, we're the most swing class in UW history. And, you know, it all comes from listening to the guys like you, Bernie, when you guys are coming back in and getting guys to pay attention. We had, you know, we were super close. And it was just by playing games in the locker room. Like, we had a whole bunch of guys, you know, Troy, Stitchy, Leon, uh, Dooley, Ferg, Alec, Corey, uh, TJ. Um, and then you have the guys, you know, the class, I mean, us, like the linemen, like Bo and Dieter and Micah Kapoy, Sheehy, TJ Edwards, Chris Orr, Ryan Connolly, and you got guys above us, you know, the Leo Musso, the, the Beagles, um, you know, the Goldbergs and, and <laughs> Houston. Like, we, like, it, it's, it's expanded. Like, it wasn't just us. And then that's why we had that. You remember, like, when we had that four square put in the locker room that year when we were, we we're rolling, yep. dude. Or like you're playing that game where it's like, you know, you're looking up and all this other stuff where like it it became such a close team because we had so much turnover in those five years we were there. We had, you know, the Beal and the turnover when we were getting recruited. Anderson left all of a sudden after we got waxed in that, you know, Big Ten game where it's like it's just us, you know, and just, you know, Coach Chris was great. And, but we knew like anyone like they were going to get the most out of us because we were getting the most out of everybody like on the team, you know? Mm-hmm. Dude, talk about the most winnings. Uh, you guys were 11 and one in rivalry games. What was it? What is it? 45 and 10? Who did we lose to? It doesn't say here, but that's amazing. I didn't know we had that many yeah, rivals. That was the Iowa nine to seven game, I think. That would make Dude. sense. 45 wins and 10 that losses. 20, that was the 20, that was the 2015 year. Yeah. I remember that one. That Dude, I had five. I went seven losses in my redshirt year. I think we had five and seven, six and five and seven. We didn't even make a bowl game, dude. Imagine what working out was like after that. Yeah, You were the last team mm-hmm. to not make a bowl game, Bernie. You know, these things hurt. Well, they no, no, like no. Do you know why? Because you were redshirt and you weren't on the field. If you had been on the field, they would have made the bowl. And that's how oh, yeah. ever since Bernie got his first letter, the batters have made a bowl game. I think yeah. there's a Sitting clear out loud, Bernie, have, have the guys from that class reach out to you. I'm sure Wendell Bryant's super excited to hear my little punk ass saying that it was my it was because of me. Listen, we sadly just couldn't there was the Big Ten was a fist fight every game. Yeah. And you just there was no not saying that there were any cheek when you were playing, but like when I was there, dude. The, Indiana was good. They had Randall L and that other dude, and they had like 600 yards on us. Anthony and we had Johnson, a good defense. Yeah. Um, oh, but dude, 45 to 10, man, that is baller. So you're getting on as a redshirt freshman, you're getting on the field and you're starting. You're starting as a redshirt freshman. I mean, that's that's pretty big coming straight off the scout team. What was it like to have to step up at, you know, let's face it, a pretty young age? I mean, that was the goal, right? You want to learn, and there was a gap, and we had Zags and Warren. I think technically, so I, I was there as a starter during camp. Um, and me and Alex were slotted to get a lot of playing time. And, you know, we had LSU first co- first collegiate game in Houston. Did not know how close Houston was. <laughs> I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> um, and you get there and you hear how loud the stadium is. You know, and there I had a any given Sunday moment when I got on the field. Because that was when, if you remember... Zags and Warren went down that game. Second play of the game, Zags is paralyzed. What the? <laughs> like he's down, his neck is pricked, and he can't feel his leg. I think at that point, you know, they they flew him. This I think it was emergency for life. Flight to the hospital, and he got back. Is just a really bad stinger. 
and then worn towards meniscus, I think at, right before the half or first play or second play of the half. So then me and Alec, um, you know, Nula is going to be us for a while. You know, we didn't know how when Zags was going to come back because it wasn't told until afterwards. Um, and it was Goldberg. Goldberg was the nose at that point, right? And so after that game, I stopped taking five-hour energy before forget games. <laughs> you start forgetting plays and realizing the enormous people don't understand it. It's tough to to funnel that energy into something productive. You know, I mean, on the offense, you know, you they quiet down. So you guys got the the pre-snap reads and the motions and everything like that. On defense, it's, you want it loud. You want to screw the other team up. But you know, if you can't tune that out, it's it's more destructive than it is helpful. Um, so I remember when I got out there, I peaked. I, I legitimately puked. Some of it came out, and I had swallowed the other half of it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is. I forgot who is Blue um, and McGahey were the running backs, and I remember the the game winning touchdown that he had was on a miss assignment for me, mm-hmm. where he came down my gap, you know, and that's something Aranda was great was holding people accountable, you know, because defense was like math to him, right? And he had to get creative. He had two undersized defensive ends, three, four. We should probably be like 280, 275. And me and Alec were both like, I think it listed me at like one or 260, but I was probably playing like 250, 52 each game. And Alec was probably 245. All right. So that's when we had a lot of motions on that stuff. And we, it, it took us paying attention and, and being where we're supposed to be to make sure like guys like Joe Schobert and Mike Caputo and, you know, that's when Trotter and Landish were back there. Right. We're getting the right reads and the gaps that they're supposed to get. And I remember how it was a real eye opener to me, Northwestern, and just realizing how fast they play. They were running pin pull sweeps the entire game. I had no idea that the tack the guard was pulling outside around. I was just I was getting reach blocked, but me not getting to the right spots where I was supposed to was, you know, leading them to drive down and I think they ended up beating us that game. Um so it is just a lot to to focus in and, and get prepared for. When you were getting recruiting, obviously Bielema was running a four-three, but then as soon as Anderson and Randy get there, you moved to a three-four. What was the difference for you, sort of in terms of expectations versus reality? And then on top of that, you know, in a four-three defensive end, really gets to get after the passer. A three-four defensive end doesn't. Were you? How did you sort of take on sort of having a different role as a three-four end as opposed to a four-three end? Oh, uh, well, I'm not fast. So I have to put that. I'm on, my hand's going to be in the dirt. You know, so it went from, you know, 4-3, hold the edge, probably going to be a five tech. You know, I was going to get the weight slowly. And then, you know, it was a shift for all those guys where, like, I mean, we benefited the most, right? You had that entire, you know, season class of defensive linemen. Um switching from a 4-3 their entire career to their senior year, switched to a 3-4. You know, Bo Allen is probably the perfect zero for that type of defense. But, I mean, it, t- it, it takes adjustment to, you know, to, to get good at what they're asking you to do to two-gap it, right? And you have all these other guys like, you know, Brendan Kelly and Tyler Dipple. And Lewis, I think Lewis and Zegler had graduated with David Gilbert, right? And David ended up transferring afterwards. But he's a 4-3 type of end. And it's tough playing a 4-I with that, right? So, it took some adjustment and thank God I had, you know, the high school coach that I did to prepare me for, you know, the hand strikes and, you know, the anchoring down to be able to switch and two gap. And I got better um, where me and Alec had it down key by, you know, our retro sophomore years, but it, it was a thing. And it was a thing that you had to consider when switching over um, and, and reaffirming your commitment. And then, so take me through like, dude, you guys were some of the most successful badgers. What's it feel like to, you know, go through those seasons, think about it, reflect on it now, like to be the winningest team or the winningest group. How special is that? I mean, I'd like to say sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to. I mean, it was, was, everybody was locked in, you know, can't say that for the specialists because, yeah, specialists are, but, you know, they were pretty good at ping pong, but (laughs) But we had we had Rafael and they were they were great and everybody was bought into what had to be done each and every week and like you said like we were eleven and one and 
11 and one in, in rivalry games. You know, you knew that's what it came down to, but not taking care of your business each and every single week. Where when you start drinking the outside Kool-Aid, you know, I think most of the times we tripped up is when we were ranked high to start off the season. And the years where they slept on us is when we would roll. Like that 2016 year, I think we were far down people's schedules until all of a sudden, you know, we played Alabama tough. All right, and then we're starting to roll. And then I think we whooped the shit out of Michigan State when they were ranked like six, you know, away. And then you start rolling. And that was such, I think that was a pretty good year where we, no, 2015 was when we played Alabama. We beat LSU at Lambeau in 2016. That was my redshirt junior year. Um, and you just start rolling people, right? Where the most successful teams are able to block out that outside noise. Um, and then you have those memorable moments like Sitchi's targeting and walking off of the helmet where it's like, we should be mad at that, but like you're bought in, like you, you're, you're there for the moment or, you know, him playing through his torn pec, mm-hmm. right. And all this stuff or watching Kyle Costigan probably top five best offensive lineman I've gone against and he didn't get a snap in the league because he put it all out there. And most people don't even know There's some people remember, but he tore his bicep. It's either the Big Ten championship game or first half against Auburn. And it was whether or not he plays. You know, because if he plays, he's probably got atrophy in that arm for the rest of his life. If he doesn't, he's got a shot the league. Put it all out there. We're running fucking power eye with Melvin down their throats on Heavenside and, and Costi's side. For 200, I think 258 is what Melvin rushed for that game. All right, we got that, you know, overtime field goal by Hoppe. But, you know, it's, it's stuff like that of, like, are you willing to put it out for each other? And you start seeing that, and it just it, it spills over. Well, so then by the time totally. your senior year comes around, like, you guys, you guys are a freaking unit. And you guys ended up that year with the big uh, victory in the Sugar Bowl turnover chain. My um like that was yeah sorry the the getting my bowls mixed up again sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, orange bowl thank you for correct me anyway that's sort of like a a culmination right and you guys you know that was what that must have been pretty sweet to go out on top like that yeah no i mean it was, it was, it was cool i mean i spent most of that senior year in the training room unfortunately but you know it's we were all locked in, right? Sitchi tore his ACL before that season even started. I mean, that's leadership. He's locked in every single time. He could have been focusing on the draft. He had the three-sack game, you know, his junior year. And, mm-hmm. you know, people knew what he was going to bring to the table. Um, but, I mean, all of us were, were dialed in and the outside noise. And obviously, we didn't get it done against Ohio State, unfortunately. But, I mean, I remember I was telling my guys during bowl prep, this will be my last game. That, that was the point where I, I knew I needed a third hip surgery and it was, you're just leaving out there. So it was a stream, but you know, you had Alex flying around. You had she flying around. You had Olive, 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 <laughs> Olive, uh, you know, TJ Edwards is balling now, right? You had Ryan Connolly and he's going through it. And all the rest of the guys on the team are bought into what it means to be a Badger. You know, through and through, and doing it for each other. And I don't, I don't know what it is about people in the South saying like they don't care about bowl games. Like, fuck off! Like, no, like <laughs> turn over and change my fucking ass. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it it, it 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 meant a lot, right? And that was the final culmination. And you just hear it, do it for the seniors above you, and it's special to finally be there at that point. Things that you're told over and over, don't lose the axe for the seniors, don't do this for the seniors, don't do that. And then having that final jersey switch practice day and you know, getting carried off by the younger guys for that last day before the bowl game and you know, finishing on a win. I think I ended I ended up staying in Miami. Everybody else, you know, are flying off to where they're training. I ended up road tripping back to Madison for like eight days. Car broke down, but it was it was a <laughs> it was a good it was a good way to to get sent off on a thirteen and one year. Yeah, and, and being able to tell people we went thirteen and one division one collegiate football is pretty cool. Dude, it's awesome, is yeah. what it is. You had a beautiful career. And now you're killing it in Atlanta. 
I'm just lucky to know you, man. Stop. 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 Dude, I, all I think Dude, about is three years ago, I'm flying up to New York. Hey, man, can I crash in your car? Yeah. And we went to Orange Theory together. It was awesome. We did. It was great. I still rock that sweatshirt you gave me. Yeah. That, dope, huh? that uh, Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so, uh, no, man, it's just, uh, you know, it's, see, what I also find special, and, and you can probably talk to this too, is I didn't, dude, you were a little kid when I was in college. Mm. Like real little, probably. Yeah, so I think I was, I was still in a twinkle in my dad's eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I am old. Um, but like, just because literally the bond of Wisconsin football, and then obviously you're a great person, I'm a great person, so it's fun to hang out. But the bond so of football, I, I'll give myself a little prop here or there. <laughs> but but that bond, right, no matter who you are, when when you graduated, I think it's special. And we know, like, I know what you've been through. Mm-hmm. And I know how much your your experience was amazing, but brutal at some points. Um, and I get it. And dude, we all walk out of that locker room. The last day is the last day. Like you're not, you can't put that jersey or helmet on. It's over. And you know, some of us walk out, you basically feel like you're worthless at that point. You're like, what how am I gonna do right now? Like, you know, Coach Alvey doesn't care about me. I'm I'm nobody anymore. I'm like, what can I do for him now? So uh so I think we all have those moments. And we all understand that, but we all have, you know, listen, these glorious moments where you win a bowl game and you make a block, you make a tackle, you, you know, and you're, everyone's cheering for you. 80,000 people are cheering for you. So I think it's just the brotherhood is special. Um, and I think it, if you take anything from our show is we have guys who are young, we have guys who are old and it's just, people are just love to talk about their experience. Cause most of the time it was more positive than anything else. Yeah, I mean, even better. Alec is now the director of alumni outreach. Oh, I know. So he's exactly. So I mean, I missed the homecoming game. It looked fun. Um, see you guys all there. I spent a little too much money this summer, so I <laughs> won't be going to a Badger game until twenty twenty three. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's great staying connected to the guys um, and talking to some of the guys. So, but you still have guys right who you played with, like Alec is there. You got Sitchy still there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Chris like, what's back. right? So like, what's that like for you to have like all these connections to like? I listen for me too. Coach, Coach Jimmy's the head coach. Yep. Uh, Al Johnson's the running back coach. Yeah, like these are guys I played with. Yeah. So uh, you know, like, what's it like to you know, like to me, Wisconsin's much different than anyone else because we hire our guys because we trust them, we love them, and we believe that they're good coaches mm-hmm. and good mentors. Yeah. I mean, you know those guys. What's it like for you to have that same type of connection? Coach Snee, you know, I mean, like it's like out there in the weird room. Like it, it's, it's great because you know, like I, I, my last job, I would, I would go back to Madison often, right? And you just pop in like you're seeing old, you know, kindergarten English teacher, yeah. fifth grade English teacher, right? Where it's the same people there in the academic department who helps you get through it and. You know, it's the same, like, no matter how much college football changes, you know, it's changed a lot. You know, it's still the same grind and just being able to give back what you gave back. And, you know, with the turmoil that's going on now, you know, they're in good hands with some of the people who are placed there. And like you said, Coach Leonard, you know, has been through it. He's seen it. He's the Wisconsin guy. He grew up there. You know, I had Coach Nellis, Joel Nellis down in Brookfield. He was my... Like he started teaching when my sister was in kindergarten and he was never my football coach, but just watching him do, you know, be successful at Brookfield Central. Like it, it all starts from that badge of brother. And he all, um, but hearing his stories before getting there and, and knowing everybody's, you know, it's, it's a program, right. And guys can excel and be themselves in that program. If they buy in to it being the program, like, you know, never being above the program. Right. Cause like, Guys have paved the way, and there's no other place in the country that's quite like it where a walk-on who just cares and works. I mean, if you're a four- or five-star guy and you're on a full ride and you're going to let this walk-on beat you out, I mean, yeah, at some point, you got to just look at yourself. And that's mm-hmm. the whole program, right? Or you know, A lot of people you know, blame the politics of it, and sometimes it's the case, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not the right situation or the right fit but there's a time and place, but there's at the end of the day, you know, being better is looking yourself in the mirror. Like what did I do for my team? And what the, what can I do for myself to get better for the program? 
Totally. And on that beautiful note, we're going to have to say goodbye, Chikwe. We've okay. held you for too long. I know you're a busy man. No, but... my boss has been walking around here. So I got Yeah. Okay. So um, we'll let you, we, we will let you get back. We'll let you go. That. I will see you in Atlanta, uh, hopefully March, April-ish. You let me know, man. Oh, I will. We I have will. a couple more places to stop and uh, I, get. I, we, for everyone here, we went on a four. bar crawl and it was awesome. <laughs> We went to like three places, four places. Yeah, I think we're at the four places. Scooted on the belt line for a hot second, right? It was great. Yeah, we walked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome too. How many pictures did you take of the bridge? I think like a hundred, dude. Yeah. It was a great day. There is. No, a, you are a great host. There's a takeoff memorial there now. So I mean, if you get back in time, you might see it. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. All well, right. Thank, thank you. I, this was great, man. We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, Chikwe. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. See Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.